Hi, this is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy. And this is Asteroid Deflection 101. The following is an interview with Greg Wah from the fabulous Smart Enough to Know Better podcast and also an Astronomy Master's student. So, hi, Greg. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Cheap Astronomy. How are you? Thanks, Dave, and I'm doing very well. Nice to be here. Good show. Look, I was very interested to hear that you have begun, well, not begun, but you've been studying with uh, Swinburne University, which I understand is the world's largest provider of online education in astronomy. I'm a year and a half in of three years, so I'm doing it part-time because to fit it into my, the rest of my life. So it would take me a normal year and a half, but I stretched it out to three, and I'm, I'm halfway through it now, which is pretty great. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really good course. I decided that I needed to, to um, get some higher learning, and because uh, and I'm a physics teacher by trade, and I've always been interested in astronomy. So uh, I decided I wanted to get a master's in science and in astronomy. Mm-hmm. And, and Swinburne seemed like a really good place to get that because I had nothing but good things and I could do it all externally. So I have access to what I have to read and, and they have all the course information, like the lectures all online. And I have access to textbooks, which I've bought. And uh, we have news groups, which are our tutorial areas. But I can't email and uh, phone actual lecturers and actual tutors if I need them. And I very rarely required to actually talk to a real human being I think nowadays we don't need to necessarily have to go and sit in a room with a hundred other people and listen to someone who's talking the content at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, an, as a teacher myself, that's not teaching. I don't see that as teaching. That's just lecturing. So when you get these lectures online, are they the person standing in front of a hundred people being videoed? or <laughs> No, they're, it's literally the course content. What they put, Basically what they would put on their PowerPoints, and you get access to some very, very in-depth PowerPoints. Uh, I mean, really, really in-depth stuff. And then it would say, you know, here's some information we're trying to teach you, and here's the connection to the readings that we want you to do, and here's, you know, get, and in, in the news groups, you've got to go back and refer to what you've been learning from there. So it's very much at your own speed, and you will do as well as you want to do, really. If you put in the time and the effort, you'll do okay. If you let it fall by the wayside, even more so than normal university, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. What do they do to you? <laughs> Oh no no no! As in as in your you'll fail basically. Yes yes. And no one will hold no one's there to hold your hand. Mm. Uh, it really is just a matter of having your own gumption and doing it yourself. So have you done any interesting assignments recently, Greg? Yes yes, I, I did a really fun one recently. I thought about asteroid deflection mm-hmm. and, and how would you stop a, an, an asteroid from crashing into the Earth? So I had a lot of fun with that. I really enjoyed it. Basically, the idea was they sort of said if Apophis the uh, they're the one they thought it was going to hit the Earth in 2029 20, and 2036, which it's not. Now they realize, but they said if asteroid 99942 Apophis actually was going to hit the Earth, how would we stop that? So I've got some statistics here. Apophis is a near-Earth object, one of over 9,000 near-Earth objects. It's considered the most potentially dangerous, but actually that's not all that dangerous. Cause... No, that's right. It's back to zero on the scale. I remember last mm. check the, um, the oh, I've got the name of that scale. Torino. That's the one, thank you. It got up to, I think, four at, at its worst. Was like, people were like, whoa, and then it dropped back to one, and now it's back to zero again. So that pretty much means it's, it's not going to hit us. Mm. 
Well, I think back in 2004 when they first got worried about it, there was a, a 1 in 36 chance that it might hit the Earth, which which is significant. That's significant, <laughs> But as as they kept tracking its orbits, they realised no, it's not actually going to get that close. Mm. So as you say, they downgraded. Let's let's not downgrade the 375 megatons of force. The um, the Chelyabinsk meteor was a, was a big wake up call, not for astronomers, but for the average person. Suddenly, YouTube was alive with pictures of what one of these things looked like when it comes down, and I think it really shook people and made them realise it's not something from a movie it's not just a crazy thing that might happen one day it it really is a problem it's it could be a real thing that comes out and lands on your head so uh so tell me how would we deflect it uh there's lots of different ways this is not a definitive list by any chance but this is what i put into my my project just just to make it interesting uh the first one is to nuke it blow it to tiny tiny bits uh, in the movies it always seems very successful from the research i did if it's smaller than one kilometer across, then you could quite easily shatter or disrupt something like Apophis with, with about four megatons. They say that would totally disrupt it uh, and break it up. Mm. So that's that's pretty easy. But if you don't want to do that, you can use a much smaller thing like a one megaton weapon, keep it off the surface of the, of the asteroid and blast it, and it deflects it. So you just give it, a, you change its its trajectory. Well, I call that tricky because I think even Apophis. Is really just a rubble pile, as they say. Mm. It's, the, mm. the, it's not massive enough to really generate enough self-gravity to consolidate it into a solid object. So it is just a sort of loosely bound collection of rocks. Mm. Right, that's the problem. We don't know enough about them. If we had enough time, that's the thing with the Apophis, because we know it's there. If we know, let's say it was going to hit us in 2068. We'd have decades to go up there and have a look at it and to work out exactly what was in it before we had to fire a weapon at it or or change its direction. So uh, we we don't know enough about them yet. A weapon like this could very easily disperse it and make it like a shotgun blast or crack it open or put it on a different trajectory which brings it back into contact with the Earth. We we don't really know. There's a level of uncertainty there that is quite high. So what else have we got, Greg? Uh, Well, the second one is is, it's still as sexy, uh, but not quite as sexy as nuclear weapons, a kinetic impactor. So you try and change its direction by ramming it with something. So once again, you hope that Apophis is not just a pile of rubble, it's more solid. And something the size of Apophis, if you put a 1,000 kilogram impactor into it and uh, with the right trajectory, you could very easily knock it into a new orbit, which is not as dangerous as blowing it to pieces. But once again... The location of the impact and the speed of the of the impactor as well, these things become quite chaotic. And once again, you may not get enough of a, a delta V and mm. a change of trajectory. Yeah, sure. I mean, I imagine with these things, you're really not waiting till it's growing before you in the sky, but, but you've actually <laughs> oh. taken action perhaps before it's got closer than the moon's orbit. They're much, much further out. This is the interesting, with the kinetic impactor one, when I was sort of looking into it, throwing a 1,000 kilograms at Apophis, you're only giving it a, a change of its delta V about one centimeter per second. So you don't do it right next to the Earth, you do it as far back as possible, and so therefore it only has a tiny change, builds up over time, and in the end it, it just it misses the Earth. But you, yeah, that the moon, you kind of waited too long, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, yeah sure. I mean, I think with any of the options we're going to discuss, you don't want to leave it to the last minute to try it out. No, no. <laughs> we, we need and, a few practice runs before the real thing. 
And there's a big choice between do we send up a robot or do we send up people? Because adding people just adds a level of complexity. Yeah. All right. My next one is shoot it with a laser, uh, <laughs> which just sounds makes my James Bond villain uh, so happy inside. But not shoot it with a laser to blow it to pieces, but to ablate the surface. So you you give it some thrust burning off the surface, and you uh, and you can actually keep it going in a new direction. But as far as I could work out, I don't know if there exists a laser in the world powerful enough, so in the megawatt range, and with a, a small enough divergence angle mm. that we could actually do this in space at this point in time. So it's, it seems like a great idea, but it's one of those in the future when we have the technology, maybe shooting with a laser would be a good way of deflecting the, the asteroid away from us over time, over a long period of time. Yep, what else you got, Greg? There was one that, something called Yarkovsky, Y-A-R-K-O-V-S-K-Y. And the Yarkovsky effect is a force that acts on a mass in a space that is under rotation. Mm-hmm. And if the mass is heated from one side, like from the sun, then the thermal photons that are given off by the body give a, a tiny but constant push in a certain direction. So the fact that Apophis is tumbling through space, as a, any sort of asteroid would be, it will have a bit of thrust already from the, from the sun going in a certain direction, which will slowly change its, its trajectory. But you can take over that. You can actually go and, and the idea is maybe put big solar sails out there and deflect light to different parts of the asteroid and change the Yarkovsky effect, actually change which way the thrust goes from, just from shining light on the, on the asteroid itself. And if you're really getting adventurous, you could paint the asteroid, so a, a nice white, to, uh, to deflect more of the, of the light, therefore getting a better, more of a, a kick from each of the photons as well. Uh, I, I was absolutely fascinated by it. Uh, but it does seem to be almost impossible to do at this stage. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of good ideas out there, aren't there? Got anything else? Finally, my choice, my number one, is the good old gravity tractor. Uh, it, it's not sexy. It doesn't blow anything up. Uh, it's It literally is just place a mass, so with Apophis, something about a 1,000 kilograms, and you put it in the direction that you want it to go, and then over time, it slowly pulls the asteroid off course, and once again, you you save the Earth, and no one had to get blown up. I, I really like the gravity tractor idea, because the technology we pretty much have, we can get things into space. Um, Hayabusa, higher, higher oh, goodness me, thank Hayabusa, I think. Hayabusa, yeah. uh, it, it landed, it wasn't perfectly successful, of course, but it landed on um, asteroid. We can do this, we've proven we can do this. So, to put a heavier version of Hayabusa near an asteroid, flecked it gravitationally, is something I do believe we could do right now. Time, where it takes months again to deflect it, uh, with, with the case of Apophis and a 1,000-kilogram tractor, it would still take months, but if we had the time, then it would be a good way of doing it. Mm. The Curiosity rover, with its spacecraft to, to, that it used to fly to Mars, that would have been a good 1,000 kilograms. That sort of thing we can do, yeah. Yes, that's right. In my mind, it wouldn't take that much more to, to lift a 1,000 kilograms. Even if it took a couple of lifts to get all the pieces up to a place to put it together, uh, we, we could do it. Once again, you're talking about destruction of wide bits of the Earth, or at the very least, you know, millions of people. I'm pretty certain the money would come from somewhere. Mm. People would, would, it would be something we wouldn't have to worry about getting funding for. Mm. Yes, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> I share your hope. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. I've got a great quote here. Um, the, the former astronaut, Ed Liu, uh, basically said in New York, he says that uh, Chelyabinsk was bad luck, uh, but if we get hit again 20 years from now, that's not bad luck, that's stupidity. 
and and I, that's to me that that's very that resonates with me. We we are a species that can that can actually change this, and we we have the technology. We're all with the cusp of new technologies that can stop this sort of thing. Ed Liu, I think, is one of the founders of the, the B612 Foundation, who are a, a charitable organisation, but very much focused on saving the world from asteroids. So hmm. if anyone's feeling charitable, they're, they're the people to talk to. Rusty Schweikert, who was uh, an Apollo 9 astronaut and is also with this B612 Foundation, was suggesting, if, and he was saying this back when Apophis was a bit of a worry, that you know what you should do is just land a, a sort of transponder on the, the object and then you can track it precisely with you know, the Deep Space Network or, or whatever. Yes, yes, just to absolutely mm. nail down its, uh, its trajectory and its path and, uh, and then you can start messing around with it afterwards. Yeah. All right. Well, again, we, we've saved the world, Greg. So oh, thank, thank goodness. Yes. Oh, well done. I'm shaking your hand right now, Steve. Mm. Well done. Mm. At least until super volcanoes become a, an issue. Ah, uh, well, that's, that's that's geology, my that's friend. That's a problem I'll, for the I'll, geologists. That's, that's right. right. I will leave that to to people with uh, mud on their feet. My head's in the stars, I'm afraid. Maybe we could fire an asteroid at a super volcano. That'll stop it. Genius. All right. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for your time. Sure, no problem. See ya. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website, hoping we're at least smart enough to deflect asteroids. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for the chat. Hopefully it was what you wanted. Yeah, I think so. Thanks. It was your well, idea anyway. It was. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll call it the joint mission. That's fine. That sounds good.